Welcome to Chronicles, a podcast about real people with real stories, having real conversations on health. I am Joa Bako, an industrial engineer living with a kidney transplant here in Nairobi, Kenya. Welcome. Hello, everyone. I'm Michaela Newman, a transplant from Austin, Texas to Geneva, Switzerland, and an advocate in the NCD and mental health space, as well as in the health system strengthening and digital technologies for health space uh, quite newly. I joined this podcast with experience um, as the daughter of a man who is bipolar and HIV positive, looking at the intersection between communicable and non-communicable diseases. Hello everyone, this is Chantal. I'm based in Durban in South Africa. I live with bipolar disorder and I also advocate for mental health both locally and globally. I am also a couch news survivor and I survive bad news every day. So this week we're going to talk about Global Week of Action, which happens from the 7th to the 13th of September 2020. And just bring the, list, the listeners up to speed or you know, in the know what we're talking about. The Global Week of Action is celebrated annually, and it's a global week of action on entities and a campaign that draws on outrage and optimism, focus efforts on ensuing NCD prevention and control, and get the attention and action they deserve. So every September, it unites the NCD movement, concentrating on our combined efforts with the aim of reducing the NCD budget globally and increasing health and dignity. This year, we are, the Global Week of Action is focusing around accountability and holding your stakeholders at a global and international, even regional level accountable for their commitments to NCDs based off the UN high-level meeting that took place in 2018. So just to simplify it and make it a bit simple, the UN high-level meeting is where basically mostly health stakeholders come together and they decided to act on NCDs because NCDs have really increased in volume, right, around the world. And we want to hold these stakeholders accountable, especially our governments. And as an NCD advocate myself, you know, as a person living with a transplant, I would say that it's super important for people living with NCDs like us to stand up and actually hold them accountable because what they say at those high-level meetings and what happens on the ground, sometimes they're not the same, you know? And so... We need to be empowered to build our capacity to reach out to them and ask them, hey, when you said this at that forum at WHA, which is the World Health Assembly, what's the status of it? Have you done anything about it on the ground? Because we're the ones who see it, or we as citizens are the ones who live through it. So I don't know what you guys think about the Global Week of Action. Are you doing anything about it? Thank you, Job. I, I think I wanted to just um, refer the listeners to the, the website link. It's www.actonncds.org. And they really do have such a great campaign 
you have so many different um, aspects and also guides as to how you can get involved um, during the Global Week of Action and how you can actually create accountability with your local governments uh, and your, your ministries and how you can create momentum on social media and on different platforms. So it's really commendable what they have been, put to, have been putting together. And I think this is something that we really should mobilize more and use more. And I often find that, you know, we've, there's so much that's been done in this space and we often like forget about some of the efforts of different organizations and different people and putting it in this kind of format is really helpful for me as well in my work because it all it does all consolidate and it does all kind of come together which is really brilliant i think you know when i when i speak about accountability and in my work as a mental health advocate I have really, I put many frustrations, as many advocates do, around accountability with, in particular, our local government in South Africa. I think the, the big theme for me that I've seen that came through, through this, this time of COVID, it's already exacerbated these very obvious uh, caveats and, and obvious um, gaps we had in our so in our healthcare systems. But beyond that, it's been absolutely dreadful to see how our government still exploit people, even while during an epidemic. And that governments and people in governments and politicians and those who we have voted in to protect us actually only invest in themselves and don't invest in their citizens' health and welfare. And I think this whole idea about accountability is really controversial in my, in my point of view. Because I can say that in South Africa, we've got some of the most progressive laws and constitutional human rights laws in the world. But when it comes to accounting them and accounting the government to implement some of those laws or to actually account for the way that they've implemented it, it's it's almost seems impossible sometimes. It it seems like an impossible avenue, and it takes so much energy, effort, time, and money to get government to do the bare basics of looking after their citizens. So I don't know what your thoughts are. I I love this this focus on accountability, but I honestly I'm very unsure. Even though there are some guidelines here uh, and ways to do that, I'm really unsure in my country perspective how we really can push that forward. I'm really excited that for this podcast, I can kind of play the naive outsider. I have some comments, but I first want to ask you experts on, uh, on this Global Week of Action. 
with accountability as the theme, are the actions and the activities that are suggested uh, only those which relate to what the individual can do? Or do they also include actions that government and larger NGOs or in, in international organizations can take or any activities that private sector can do to extend this conversation? They do actually include um, ways for NGOs and NPOs to get involved in creating action. To be fair, I there aren't enough action points that I see in how public, um, I mean, private companies can get involved. And there's, that is something that I haven't seen in particular, mm -hmm. especially since we are now looking at commercial determinants of health. Yeah. And there's been a big focus on commercial determinants on NCDs in particular this year. And if we are going to look at commercial determinants, we also need to see how can we involve corporates and, and businesses in actually advocating for better health too. Can I just jump in on that real quick? Mm -hmm. Well, I do agree with, on the, the point she raised about the private sector or companies not really being involved on the actual action points they can take, but a lot of the priorities raised on NCDs actually deal with determinants of health, like obesity and things like smoking and stuff, and in that area, I feel that private companies have a big stake in that, but then it's not something usually it's not something they would want to do like for, for example sugar in, in, in sodas and sweet beverages can be reduced from the private like you know it, it doesn't have to be the government putting restrictions and taxes in place for them to do it they can kind of do it as an initiative but it's usually tied to finance you know this is something it's a product that makes money so in, in doing that and changing their product could potentially change mm -hmm. the financial side of business. So there is a role that sector has a but usually it affects the financial side. So I, I, I think the government usually has to step in restrictions so that they, they take it seriously. And that's one of the priorities that I saw during the you know in this in the document acting on NCDs as we're working on it here in Kenya, we're just trying to see what can we do as advocates mm -hmm. to all these people in the you know who, who are affect health plus NCDs to act. Mm. I I completely I completely agree. And I mean that that is that's really a big contentious point and the like, the corporate responsibility but also the fact that corporates have had a major influence on NCDs and also their um, role in, in devastating health causes. The thing is, it is, and that's, it's a point that, that remains contentious because I feel, and for me personally, I feel like if we, if we do engage with corporate companies, maybe in different ways, and yes, this, 
this is about accountability and the and majority of this is aimed at governments and, and how we can keep government accountable. But I also feel like we need to know how do we keep companies accountable, but in a way that they also agree to commitments mm-hmm. and on, on a public forum and on a public platform. And if it means that they're reducing the sugar um, levels in in a product or in two products to get them to account for that publicly and and create a, a, and be part of the change and be part of the movement. And I know that's easier said than done because there is big, big, big money at stake and there are many complicated elements to that. It's not as straightforward as that. But I do... I'm actually quite passionate about the way that we need to, at a global health level, see how we do engage with business and in a in a positive way, so that we can actually get them to address the issues that we that we need addressing. If I could jump in here, um, I totally agree with the the challenges, particularly in the prevention of NCDs, um, that we face when it comes to the tobacco industry and the food and beverage industry because they do have uh, their own motivations driving their work and they have a lot of people behind risk management that the public sector could never keep up with. Uh, but at the same time, I do think that that broader discussion and definition of accountability is needed if this is the, the theme of the Global Week of Action on NCDs because you can take all the individual steps necessary for autonomous accountability, but without an environment that supports this change, I'm not sure how effective it will ultimately be. Yes, you can take steps to um, to have a better nutrition, better physical fitness regimen, but that's only one side of the of the argument, and there are a couple of points I'd like to make about that. Um, one is just uh, a, a quote that I, I realized I didn't have far out of reach, so I want to share it. This was from an article, and I'll share the name and author in a second, about future generations and climate. So it raises the question with, like, in the world that we have today, is it okay to have a child? And what I got from this quote is that despite our best effort and intention, we cannot predict the futures as individuals. Uh, And the quote is, the future is not written. The real choice we face is not whether to eat meat or how many children to have, but how to make profound and rapid structural changes without which no personal choices will matter. And this is from the London Review of Books. The page is loading so I can share the author. It's Is It Okay to Have a Child by Nehan Chris? Um, and and I, I found it to be a very, very provocative piece. And I think climate and NCDs is not so far off in terms of uh, accountability. But I think that this is an important point. What, what point are we trying to make with a global week of action on NCDs around accountability that only bases its discussions and its actions in the hands of the individual. Um, And maybe that's a narrow view and and there's more going on, but I think that's very, very important. How do we start to open the dialogue 
to greater discussions with private sector, but also with the public sector, which brings me to another point. When it comes to accountability and the public sector, I think that there needs to be a huge call for health systems to become learning systems. I think for the moment they have been built around service delivery, but there's not an internal mechanism for reflection and feedback uh, in terms of what the patient needs and how a system can be built to accommodate that patient. Uh, with chronic diseases, this becomes incredibly important. And I think it, it also leans on a call for integrated systems, how health systems are connected to other aspects of our lives. So this is something that I think we can hold government to account of uh, at more length. And then, I don't know, the last point, and, and this is a bit challenging, but I read recently in a book called Hood Feminism by an author called Nikki, let me see. Um, Mickey Kendall, she talks about how we talk often about obesity and kind of the, the determinants of health and the individual responsibility, but it fails to consider the challenges that families have sometimes in providing nutritious meals to their children, and the other gaps that we have when it comes to taking action against NCDs, which includes poverty and inequity. Uh, and, and I think when we talk about nutrition and other things that we can do in terms of preventative health, we do need to tie it into a broader conversation about how we start to remove obstacles for families in order to receive the, the nourishment that they need in their food. So, you know, Putting all of that responsibility on the individual can cause harm and actually um, further some discriminatory narratives in, in certain communities. Those are a lot of points, Ricardo. <laughs> I don't know. I'll respond real quick to some of them. You raised a lot of points, Michaela, so I, I don't think I can respond to, to all of your very, very insightful comments, but the ones that I really picked up well, we need to open up the conversation to the public. And the quotes that you gave talked about systemic change. Like, beyond the individual, we're looking for systemic change because systemic change is, at the end of the day, what's going to kind of have a big impact, you know, a nationwide impact. And as we, we are planning for the Global Week of Action here in Kenya, I guess... I'm really happy to be part of the NCD Alliance team here in Kenya and helping out. But one of the challenges we had, and I don't know if you guys had this same challenge or we didn't know, we didn't know what our government's commitment was to the war in NCD. I don't know if you know what the, the commitment the South African government has done, where it has mm. pledged Chantal or Kayla, you know, the US or the Swiss government. But we just had no idea what we had committed to at the UN high-level meeting. So without that, then we don't really know at start because you need like a map of, okay, if they committed to this, then you can educate the public about why that commitment is important. You know, and for me, it, it, this conversation has to start at education. 
it does. It has to start at education because when I came into this global health scene or the global health world, I had no idea about any of this. You know, I just knew that, hey, I'm sick. The government is supposed to do this. They're not doing it. And many people are in that situation where they don't know what the government is supposed to be doing. And if they do know, they don't know how to kind of get to the point where this action, get to the point where your voice or your input matters. Because I can complain about my government, to my family, to my friends, and then come back home and be like, okay, I've said something about it. But then if I don't have the pathways, if I do not know the right ways to engage the government effectively, then I would, all of my thoughts and all my knowledge won't really have an impact. And that's one of the main or the key things in the, the asks post the UN I love meeting in 2018 was to establish a strengthen comprehensive national NCB surveillance systems. See, I didn't know that. And it's from reading these documents that I'm starting to see, okay, so we're supposed to know how many people died from what in my country. Do we know that? I don't think, I don't know. I need to now find out from the government. Maybe they have been, you know, kind of keeping track. But then, so if I don't know that main ask, or what my government, you know, has proposed and said, we'll, we'll, not this, we'll actually, you know, keep the number of NCD deaths in my country, then I, I won't have any reference at all. And that's where systemic change is so hard because if you don't have the knowledge, you won't have the wisdom or the insight to effectively advocate, to effectively raise your voice and begin that conversation. Absolutely, and I, and I completely agree with you. I think that's also a ton to unpack there, by the way. <laughs> but, um, you know, I think it's the, the nature of being an advocate is that you either become passionate about something or you have experience with something that you want to make a change with. And the, so I find that, that, that gap between the average person on the street and the people who actually need the services and actually need that. So the support and the services is actually vast. It's really vast because it only becomes a priority for you once you become ill. You only realize you have to eat better once you have had health issues due to your diet. You only, you know, you only know about having a kidney transplant once you actually have issues with your kidneys. And I think that that juncture between the general public and those living with or have experience with is actually quite vast. Um, so the, the way in which we advocate it's actually something we really need to critically analyze and the way that we do actually educate um, people. But I agree with you. I think part of that education is also knowing what you need to know to advocate better. Mm. And as a, especially as a young person, when you don't necessarily have the technical skills, 
because coming from if you are advocating from a perspective of somebody with living with an illness there are so many legal jargons so mm. many legal documents so many different technical aspects that you have no idea about and although at, at some points you are involved it's really really difficult to apply yourself 100% in a way that you feel that your voice has been heard and i think that that aspect is also really controversial controversial but then to come back to your point in terms of um the kind of what we understand what our local governments are actually doing and i absolutely agree with you because i think again that communication from local governments to general public doesn't actually get fed through in a visually appealing way and i say visually appealing i say it in a way that people actually can consume it because we are in an age where information is everywhere we have so much to consume mm-hmm. so you won't consume it unless you have real interest in it and so for instance we have a national strategic plan for ncds that was that has been going back and forth for years now and then our um minister of health kind of stepped down and then there's been a delay and then it goes back and forth again and this national strategic plan has still not been finalized and again it goes it goes back to only a handful of people who are really closely involved in this knows what's going on but beyond that the broader communities you know that is not been communicated to them properly or at all actually and that when we talk about accountability maybe accountability to keep people informed in an accessible way is also something we need to address on your point what i hear from you is that accountability also looks like accessible messaging from those who are disseminating the information and also maybe more of an effort to improve health literacy. So I think there's a two two-handed responsibility of I would say in most cases government and um education systems to make sure that they are using language that is easily understood and meaningful but also giving their population the skills that they need to understand what impacts their health in the long term and and what they can do and what resources they have at their disposal Exactly Exactly I, I agree with that one Eva I absolutely I also agree tackling this thing is is not straightforward and I don't think any I think all of us absolutely appreciate and, and agree with that and 
I think if we specifically want to talk to young people, we need to know how how to talk to young people. And I feel like over and over and over again, global organizations fail to do that. And there's not enough consultation with young people. There's not enough ways of including young people into different conversations in local governments and getting young people to also keep governments accountable or at le- or get them to be empowered to keep them accountable. And I think there's a lot of effort being done and I think there is a lot of different initiatives and a lot of different platforms that's been established, but there certainly is not enough, I don't think. I agree with Chantelle. I agree with you, Anne. I think the capacity building or disempowering, especially the youth, to understand the systems is a very critical point or a turning point for advocacy in any country, especially lower-income countries, because a lot of times we suffer from illiteracy and a lack of education system that will allow a young person to download a document like the one we're reading or even go to the website that you had referred to in the beginning of the podcast and be able to read and understand their role in advocacy or their role in effecting change. You know, so if they can't even get to the point of reading that document and understanding what their role would be, then we may never have enough of that momentum. We may never have enough backing from the public to have a change now. That momentum will only come when people understand how that website, actual NCDs, for example, why is it important? Mm -hmm. Why should I do something? Why should I raise my voice? Why should I go on my phone and tweet about an that maybe my, my grandma has or my, my dad has. You know, I, I've met so many people and other than, you know, us who are living with these NCDs, for example, who have been impacted by an NCD, by one form or the other, by extension. And to them, it's like, yeah, it's, it see the effects, they're living through it, and they just don't know that they have the power to make a change because to them it's Mm. or it's their grandma or it's their cousin from far away but so many people I know have contact or are in contact with someone with an NCD Mm. yeah it's just so much where do you start like you're saying it's really important to break it down it, it absolutely is and but you know there's also this movement within the mental health space and how you how you have accountability towards your own health as well and how, how do you take how do you take responsibility for your own health and and at least be able like you said like being educated and being empowered about your own health and well-being and you know in a space like mental health that is incredibly complex and in the way that we are trying to address it, looking at different 
and various aspects that also influences it and influences people's mental ill health. It's really important to to understand or remember that education for for people in well-being and how to take care of themselves is actually so integral and that is that I feel is always the first step um, in how you can be responsible for your own health mm-hmm. but and that is that's also an element of accountability and feeding into those into into a, a holistic view of accountability definitely goes you know connected to your, your family your community and your country and your international community and that accountability stretches above and throughout all of those spheres and all of those elements and and perhaps it is like you said uh, Joe maybe it is like almost mapping where are you in your accountability or what are you, what are you accountability what have you done to look after yourself what have you done what has your family done to look after you what has your community done to look after you and what has your government done to look after you um and maybe look at ways to put people into perspective as to what their roles are mm-hmm. and what are some of the action points because there's a lot of words there are a lot of words there are a lot of words going around and people don't react to words anymore mm-hmm. and i have i've recently seen it was an international document that went out as a collective signatory document that went out to state parties and i i know this sounds so fickle and strange but they there was no logo nothing that just like an infographic of the of the core messages or bullet points of some of the things that the document was was trying to convey um and i found that so bizarre and it's so bizarre that in a time where we expecting people to consume information through a way like social media to also not apply some of those things when we are writing a document to a state party or government um when we are doing when we're designing a policy brief that's exactly what you do you are compressing things that's really important and you expanding on the things that you need to and include it in a way that is enticing for them to want to read mm-hmm. um and yeah i just think when we are taking again talking about accountability is also how do we account for the way that we communicate mm-hmm. absolutely and i do think that it sheds light on the valuable ways in which social media is a platform for making public pledges and kind of underscoring that accountability because when we think it to ourselves or when we just talk about it maybe internally um there's no opportunity for others to 
be a watchdog, you know, and even in, like, even in fitness programs, they tell you to have an accountability partner just to ensure that um, there's a, a more visible route towards progress and, and um, someone else keeping an eye on your commitments. And I, I think that it's really cool how social media, especially in campaigns like these, can be used for the individual accountability. But I wonder how we can get other stakeholders more invested, as you say, in making those pledges public um, and connecting on platforms where youth are engaging. So I know, for instance, that like UNICEF has used TikTok before for campaigns and things like that. That would be a really interesting place to explore. Of course, while still avoiding, you know, it sometimes becomes interesting when you have health professionals who are social media influencers. But that is also an opportunity for accountability. But it does it does drag into the areas we discussed last time around like misinformation and how to navigate that, especially when you are young and learning to distinguish good sources from bad sources. But I believe that, that it, it ultimately still encourages this open discourse that we need. And it also provides a way for, I don't know, young people to tweet at some of these industries and seek that engagement. Um, and I don't know if that's something the Global Week of Action is promoting, but you know, how can we use collective voice to, to shout at <laughs> those by whom we want to be heard? Um, I find that, that that's quite an interesting opportunity, especially for the young people who who are so native in, in that online environment. I just wanted to have a wrapping up of what I think in regards to just what we've been talking about. And this is an NCD Alliance campaign priorities. And it says establish and or strengthen effective accountability mechanisms. Now, Kela, when you're talking about going to the gym and you have a partner to help you, you know, be accountable for, mm-hmm. I guess, the goals you set, this is basically what this document here is saying, you know, having accountability mechanisms at a regional and a national level. So if you're going to have accountability mechanisms and the government, let's say, you know, I see the government as an all-powerful body, okay? And so if you, if you want to have accountability mechanisms to the decision-makers get what, what they're deciding, and you want, like, we want to have people living in NCDs involved in these accountability mechanisms. So you're basically having an accountable partner who should be as powerful as the government, which the government is the people, but, you know, it, it, it kind of boils down to, when I think about it, like how the government, or I'll say our government sometimes, seems like this all-powerful entity that doesn't rely on the people. Like, the people are only important when we are having elections. That's mm-hmm. how it feels. And then mm-hmm. after that, yes. it's... It goes back to the point where they, they do whatever they decide, they have all these powers, they're in these big offices. And then, if this document 
saying that we as people living in NCDs who are some of the most down, like we're, we end up being trodden, like the downtrodden, I guess. You know, you, you just always feel like because you have an NCD, you're inferior to, you know, people feel sorry for you, this pity, even really just when you say you have a condition. So we now supposed to be empowered enough to account or be accountable to these leaders and decision makers who feel like they are another level, you know. So for me, my part is if we're ever going to be able to hold them accountable, it has to start with their problem. I have to be able to convince a young lady who has diabetes that she's powerful enough to stand up to a decision maker who's charismatic and been voted into power by us and hold them accountable for the decisions that they are making in this office that feels so lofty and powerful and above all. So until that, that, that dynamic has been kind of balanced, I don't think people living in cities, no matter how powerful our stories are, we will never get that, that momentum because we will always be like, oh my God, it's the government, my, my leader, they can do A, B, and C to me to silence me. You know, there's, there's that here on the other side. To close, perhaps we could each share one way in which we will be accountable during this Global Week of Action on NCDs. When we are looking at non-communicable diseases, the different diseases that is encompassed in this terminology that we use as NCDs. We also refer to ways in which we can prevent it um, and ways that we can also treat it. And that those are the core components that kind of drives why we are doing, why we want governments to take action, why we want them to fix our healthcare systems. And when we're talking about accountability, for me, I will, I'll go back to the different kinds of accountability. It's the accountability to yourself, the accountability of your family to you and vice versa, the accountability to your community and you and vice versa, the accountability to the government to you and also to international organizations like the WHO and the United Nations, who are also instruments for you and they to serve you. Mm-hmm. Because they are, they are essentially paid by you as a citizen to promote your well-being. So if all else fails and your government don't listen to you, we certainly have to make sure that organizations like the WHO and the United Nations hear your thoughts so that they can put pressure on your president, on your minister of health, on your minister of finance, whoever you feel is not providing the services or not being accountable for what they are supposed to be. Mm-hmm. So I think for me, I advocate for mental health and mental well-being, especially for young people. And I think during that week of action, 
I really like to have conversations with people with lived experience and ensure that it gets to our Minister of Health so that they can also understand the experiences of young people living with NCDs mm-hmm. and how limited access to them, to the boards, to their decision-making, to the way that they construct the systems are really limiting their social protective care and also their health care. And I would like to commit my conversation to that during the, the week of action for NCDs. For me, it's my accountability or what I would hold myself accountable to telling other people living with NCDs that their voice matters. Uh, for me, that's one of my most passionate points because as a person living with an NCD, I didn't realize that my voice was powerful until I was talked to by someone else who had a condition. He was able to convince me that I should raise my voice and speak about it rather than be quiet and try to go back to normal. So I would hold myself accountable that we're just hopefully facilitating people living with NCDs in my country or in my region who can reach me and getting their voice on social media so that they can be heard and be seen and know that they've said something and it's powerful whether you see results or not. Sometimes the results takes a while. And that's very discouraging, but our voices still matter, and hopefully we'll be able to empower ourselves to the point where we can stand up and tell us to our governments, the people who are voted in, the people who are supposed to have our interests apart. Hopefully one day we'll get that change in the health systems, that systemic change that we all long for. That's my part, I'm sure. And my pledge is to continue to stubbornly speak out and stomp my feet at the injustice of the systems in which we we often move through and to not be a passive ally, but to be an active accomplice in any activity to which I can contribute. Bye. Okay, guys. Have a lovely night. Bye. Thanks, everybody, for listening to another episode of Chronicles. We appreciate all the support. If you want to listen to our previous episodes, including this one, you can find them on regular podcast listening apps on our website, chronicles at podiant.co. You can follow us on Twitter at chroniclespodcst. You can also reach out to us on email at chroniclesheltpodcast at gmail.com. We're so thankful you could join once again and see you on the next podcast.